One thing I like about Robert's preaching is he prepares. He prepares the very first song to close the service. When we talk about offertory, he asked me to relate it to Romans 12 2.
share with Pasadena like, Pop Art has been just amazing to watch these youth and how far they've come over this past year. example 
of people that are inspired by God, that put the traditions to the side for the sake of tradition, but they're doing tradition based on the Word of God, that are taking the Word of God and saying, this is not just my Sunday morning, this is my life, this is my night, my day, when I leave here, when we go to lunch, when I'm in an argument with family's friends, Christ is my firm foundation. So that's all I want to share with you this morning, that, that we've got to get some things right, church. We've got to look at our own lives and say, where are we putting tradition in the place of God? And we've got to let God be the center of who we are again. And so we're going to uh, wrap up our, our worship time here, our worship in a long time, as I would call it. Because all this is is worship. Everything we're doing here, everything when we leave here is worship. But our, our time where we're singing together, we're going to wrap up with a, a new song. I know there's been a few of them this morning. But we're going to go with this new song that if we're being honest, I'm not sure that all of us are ready to even sing Because the song is about taking my faith and not letting it just be a Sunday morning faith. Not letting it be a when it's convenient for me faith. But it's about being a faith that every day of the week, despite my circumstances, God, you are holy. You are who you say you are, and I will worship you.
to figure out where in the service and where in the sermon we could plug different people in, where we could get the different youth testimonies that we haven't already heard plugged into where the Word of God is going to take us this morning. And Brendan was like, I just don't want him to say I'm just not going to say it. I said, what we're going to do is we're going to let the Spirit decide. Here's the microphone. Hey, guys. It's not okay to put Jesus on the side of everything else. Like, especially nowadays, that's what people do. They, they put him aside everything else in life. It's like, it's like a second thing. No, Jesus, Jesus is life. Jesus is the purpose of why we're all here. It's the most important thing. Um, if you have kids, let them go to forward, pray with them, read the Bible with them. It's, we have no meaning without God. That means, that means we should put God before everything else. This morning's sermon may seem like a strange title, Break Bad. Now for the teenagers out here. Uh, yes, we're going to define this with the Urban Dictionary for a minute. To break bad is to reject the social norms for one's own gain or amusement. The idea being that I can do whatever I want to, I can be as evil as I want to, I can be as weird as I want to, or whatever, and societal norms shouldn't hinder me. Well, this morning, we're going to do what the scripture likes to say. We're going to take what the enemy meant for evil, and we're going to turn it for good. We're going to take what the enemy meant for evil, and we're going to turn it to good. You see, one of the things we misunderstand is, uh, as a society, as a church society, is we like to think about all of the apostles and all of the, the disciples as these elder statesmen. They look like these guys. And only one of them was even old enough to pay the temple tax, which means the rest of them were under the age of 20. They were teenagers. So when Caleb spoke the truth up here a minute ago, he said, we need to be chasing after the teens that are set on fire for the Lord. We're just following the tradition of the church. The church should continually be following in the faith that is demonstrated by our children and by our young people that get set ablaze by the word of God. So I'm going to redefine to break bad this morning. Y'all ready for this? To break bad is to reject the social norms for the sake of releasing oneself from a generational curse. You see, all too often we talk about generational curses and we forget that as the family of God, we can be just as guilty of passing on generational curses if we're not careful. And we're going to get into that this morning. But before we do, we have another set on fire youth that needs to speak. Come on, sister. Come on. 
of this world. The world has a religion, y'all. The world has a religion and it wants to heap it on us day and night. And right now, if I can identify it for this generation, and y'all just, if, there again, if you youth have, a, have something to pipe in if I get this wrong, but I would say the world's religion right now is a religion of self. Me, myself, and I. How can I, how can we, what can I get? How can I consume? How can I be? I, I, I. So much so that we have people that, that just, just cannot stand the idea. Ray, Ray this morning nailed it on the head during our offering. They cannot fathom sacrifice. What do you mean you would just give? What do you mean you would just serve? What do you mean you would just go? What do you mean you would use your, use your PTO to go hang out with a bunch of sweaty teenagers all weekend? What do you mean? What do you mean you would just do? Because we're blessed. Because we're blessed and we have a purpose. We have a clear purpose. And our purpose is break, break that bad in the world. We're going to continue on here. Obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm who fills the atmosphere with his authority. And the works diligently in the heart of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. The corruption that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and desires of our self-life. We lived by whatever natural cravings and thoughts our minds dictated. Living as rebellious children subject to God's wrath like everyone else. You have to understand, and the reason I scoffed at that one portion of the verse is because anytime you start talking about the devil's authority around me, I'm going to scoff. He's a punk. That's just how that works. He's already been defeated because I know the truth of God's word. And God's word says he's been defeated. He ain't got no authority. Not over me. I'm a redeemed child of God. I am joint heirs with the Savior. He don't have no authority over me. Yeah, sure, he did when I was disobedient. He did when I was a child of the world. He did it when I was living in the flesh and unto the flesh, but ain't got no no more. And that's horrible grammar, but it don't matter because my brother is going to come and speak on that truth. Where are everybody? <laughs> so I brought some notes with me today. Um, uh, I went on the forward trip with everybody else. Kenzie Nail on the head, it was amazing. It's, it's fun, everything, but, but the real reason we're there is to learn and grow and commune with one another. <clears throat> um, I was, there, there was a, a sermon preached by Pastor Jensen Franklin. It's it called Cut Some Ropes. And, and while we were there, I noticed I had so many ropes holding me back, right? And I, I was made aware of that during there. And, and when I look at my ropes, this world will look at them and be like, what are you talking about? Those are completely normal. So Romans 12, 2, Ray read this earlier. Uh, this is the NLT. It says, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Now, this world has a lot of patterns, and one of those is judgment. Our goal is to bring people into this church so they can know the truth. The truth is Jesus died so that we can have that relationship with God. Amen. We were separated for a long time until he came. Now, if we want people in this church, tell them they're doing wrong, they're going to do it. We gotta love them, that's our job. Love them, 
to, it's only when they declare they want to live that life that then we can judge out of love. We do not judge out of hate or judge with haughty eyes. The Lord detests or detests haughty eyes. Um, Luke 6, thir- uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 37. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. A little further down in, in verse 41 it says, And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in yours? We, we're all guilty. We all make mistakes. And that's okay. We're here for each other. And again, you remember who died? Is done. We won. It's done. So another verse is, uh, this was a common Romans 3, 23, for everyone has sinned and we all fall short of it. Right. Then Jesus said, oh, sorry. So back on my roads, I had so many things holding me back. And I thought it was my job to fix that. I thought I had to work on this before I could go to him. I had to prepare. That's that lie I was being told. Now that rope was tight. So once I heard Jensen Franklin, he, he told us, he was like, cut that rope. I cut that rope. I gave it all to God. I'm like, take it. Take it. I'm done. You're fine. <laughs> Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 29. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and then you will find rest for your souls. He wants us to come as we are. It doesn't matter what you're wearing, it doesn't matter what you look like, it doesn't matter if you tattoos. This is my beautiful brother right here. He's got the most tattoos I've ever seen. It doesn't matter. This is Robert, he has a pure heart, pure soul. This is just an outer shell. And my past sins, they, they held me back. So that was just, it was blocking me from that relationship. So I know some of you have ropes, whether it be in the front, whether it be in the back. Or you know somebody who has ropes. Tell them to let it go. This is the solution. God is the solution. You go to him, this will get fixed. That'll work it out. And that's all I gotta say. Cool. Praise God. Praise God. Obviously, we got some youth with some wisdom to share this morning. Some victory. Charles Spurgeon once wrote: Consider how precious. A soul must be when both God and the devil are after Devil wanted yours. He's scared of yours. Because you ain't, you got a Monday morning faith, brother. I promise you that. I can see it. He's scared. The devil is terrified that the, the youth of this nation, that the people of God would come together in unity, loving everyone. Because, see, that's, that's it. The devil's scared of love. He is terrified of genuine, authentic, biblical, Holy Spirit-filled people of God saying, we love you. To hug the broken, the beaten, and the damned. He is terrified of that. He is terrified that God's people would say, come on, I love you, come on. Because once we start doing that as a body, as the kingdom, he'll run for the hills. He's terrified. He is terrified of that. And see, in Galatians 6 and 3, we need to dispel some of the church's angst. And there again, we've had this word since we've had a Bible. 
and yet sometimes I think we forget this. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself, and you are not that important. And you are not that important. You have to realize these youth come back, and many of them have, a, have established a truth in their life. And that truth is that they are not the most important person in their story. Right, guys? They understand that, uh, that once they are born again, once they, once they are in God and in Christ, he takes them. And his spirit flows freely. And as Romans 8.14, it's not up there, but as Romans 8.14 tells us, a mature believer follows after the Holy Spirit. Here's one of them, by the way. Everyone doing all right? <laughs> so, it's actually funny. I've I already read this in that verse today, and I was thinking about what I was going to talk about. I was like, well, it doesn't really tie to it. But now that I think about it again, it does. And so... What God put on me was family. And not my family that's at home right now. My family sitting right in front of me. And that's what I really learned. What Miss Erica said something when she was speaking. She said that she thanked us and said, Thank you for being a little, like, let me be a little bit of your life. And I said, I think that's wrong. I want every single one of you to be a big part of my life. And that's what I saw at four, looking, sitting there worshiping God and looking to my left and right and seeing the people I love, throwing it all out, giving it up, you know, letting go, cutting their ropes. Dude, it was something I couldn't, it was a feeling I couldn't fathom. And I came back and you can see in every single one of them a fire, you know, a desire and a passion. And I mean, my, my spirit cup is overflowing every time I even stand around them because it's just so much. And that was my original problem when I first started, you know, hanging around these kids. I thought I was the most important. I looked at them and I thought, here's their flaws. Look at mine. I'm good. You know, I'm above them. I'm farther than them. Or, you know, I'm better. But in reality, equal, equal, equal. We're all equal. And that's what really got put on me is that I am not that important. What's important is us as a whole, as a collective. And it's just... Yo, it's crazy what God's going to be doing with these years. I was, oh, I, was, I can't even, like, I don't have words. It's just a feeling, you know? But, you know, that's all I got to say. Just keep watching and see what happens. Keep watching and see what happens. You want it? <laughs> I saw it. I saw it. <laughs> um, I'm just going to be different. All right. <laughs> so, all right, Neil and just now on the head. Keep watching and see what happens, guys. Anyone that was here more than a year ago knows that we, we've come a long way with these youth. And I just really hope that the seat keep stoking that fire, keep running that race, keep getting after it, keep getting some, you know, <laughs> just, just go after it whole hard. You know, I, I've even had to, as I mentioned earlier, like we should be chasing after how they're living because these guys are on, they're on fire right now. I shared the other night actually with Neil very briefly that I've had to look to them just about getting into the word. And that's just the most basic thing, is to just read God's word, his way of us understanding who he is. And we oftentimes kind of start to create a God for ourselves when he's telling us who he is with his word. 
And so I'll share with you, I'm like, I'm not that great about getting in the Word myself. But this whole past week, every single day, we have a youth group chat, a text message group. The youth are sending in scripture, scripture, <laughs> scripture, scripture. Hey, I read this, I read this, but I don't think this means this. What do you think about this? Hey, how does this uh, deal with what we talked about before? How does this deal with that time that we talked on Thursday night? They're in the Word. So church, let's get after it. Let's get in the Word. Let's chase after what these guys are on fire for. Let's catch that fire ourselves and watch what happens. <laughs> and watch what happens. And watch that. <laughs> I can just see the, the, the soul spirit fire and Caleb and Lewis burning. I was like, here's a <laughs> Go for it, brother. Go for it, brother. All right. So now we're going to get to the meat of what we're talking about today because we, we started out and we redefined Breaking Bad. And Breaking Bad is we're going to do away with that culture for the sake of breaking generational curses. Right? We sing about breaking generational curses being broken and blessings from generation to generation. So the first thing we need to acknowledge is that curses run along bloodlines. They do. The Bible tells me so. And trust me, the, the Bible that's up here with me this morning is not just a prop. It's the source for what I have printed out in front of me. And I'll, I'll break this open here in a few minutes directly and officially. But I, I, I had to pull some of these scriptures out of different translations just so that we made sure that there was no ambiguity in what God was saying this morning. Because the church needs to hear this. And that's why, that's why when Brother Nealon came in this morning, or actually yesterday, he came in here and helped me set these couches up. And he told me, I just want to talk about family. I just want to talk about family. Because we need to talk about bloodlines this morning. Exodus 20, starting in verse 5. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, exist, uh, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands of generations to those who love me and keep my commandments. Look at how God measures this for a second. I'm going to get into some defining some words in this passage in a second. But just for a minute, and I didn't have this revelation until this moment. Those who hate me, I'll punish to the third and fourth generations. But those that love me and keep my commandments, I'll, I'll show them loving kindness for thousands of generations. You want to talk about a forgiving God? He's like, you hate me, and I'll only punish you for three or four generations. But if you love me, and you show me that you love me, and you demonstrate your love, I will bless your house for thousands of generations. You want to talk about the character of God? Some of us are carrying pain this morning for people that wronged us in elementary school. Some of us are way older than that now. We'll get into that in a few minutes. But I want to talk about this jealousy thing because people, people, people have, I've, I've seen the t 
guys. I've seen, I've seen the social media where they start abusing this verse and saying, well, see, your God's petty. He's jealous. Okay, let's talk about that for a second, what that word is. It's kana is the word in Hebrew. It means jealous, zealous, or requiring exclusivity of devotion. God's like, it's me, guys. It's only me. It's only me. Well, you said the word zealous. Well, what does what zealous mean? I didn't put this up there, so it won't be in the slides. Because this was there again, something that the Lord revealed to me last minute. Because somebody in here, or somebody online, or somebody that hears this sermon, is going to have a problem with me using the word zealous in the pulpit of a church on Sunday morning. Because they don't understand the word. So let's define the word. These, these youth are used to me defining words. Showing great energy or enthusiasm in the pursuit of a cause or objective. Yeah, my God zealous about me. Look how much God, look how much energy and enthusiasm God has put in pursuing you. Yeah, he's zealous, all right. His love is not just reckless, it is zealous. And it's only reckless because we don't understand love in, in the world. We don't. So those of us that are in the Word and according to the Spirit, we're learning. We're, I tell these youth all the time, in the flesh, hanging out with a bunch of teenagers, nah. But in the Spirit and in the love that God is revealing to me, bring it on. Let's do this. Let's go away for the weekend. Let's go hang out. Let's get a pizza. Let's sit down. Let's say, like, let's, like, hey, let's do this. All right, and then a couple other, another word in this passage is visiting the iniquity on the fathers and uh, on the children. That, that iniquity. So Oxford would talk about immoral or grossly unfair behavior. And the Webster defines it as gross injustice or wickedness. So Let's, let's take both of those definitions for a second. God sees our wickedness. And he said, I've got to, I've got to do something about this. Because I'm a just God. So I have to offer punishment for your wickedness. And then, he, and then also defining it as immoral or grossly unfair behavior. That grossly unfair behavior portion of that from the Oxford is what hit me. You know, we talk about fairness to us. And God's like, what about fairness to me? Let's, let's look at the scales for a second. He created everything. If, <laughs> this is why God does what he does. There is no coincidence, brother. We're sitting in there, this, we're sitting in the conference room this morning, uh, and we're talking about the word of God, and we're about to go to prayer. Or actually, we just came out of prayer, and, and Marie and I were just exchanging for a moment this People just don't understand that if we were half a degree off, this world would either freeze or be incinerated. God has got an order. So why wouldn't he say, come on, stop being unfair to me? I set up everything in this world and piece by piece, I said it was perfect. I said it was perfect. I said it was perfect. I said it was perfect, said it was perfect for you. 
for you. That's literally how this works. Believe what you want to about creation. I choose to believe the record as it stands from God. And so why wouldn't he say, y'all are being unfair to me? And because of that, because I am a God of order, I've got to punish you. But he doesn't even punish. He doesn't punish in equal measure to his blessings. So let's continue on talking about this for a second. And uh, Lamentations 5 and 7. Actually, that's not the version I have marked here, so I'll read off this. Our ancestors sinned. Just like one. They no longer exist. But we bear their punishment. You want some evidence of that? You want evidence of the curse? We're not going to read it this morning, but I pulled some information out of it. But if you want to know where what I'm about to tell you comes from, it's Deuteronomy 28, 15 to 68, where it contains 53 verses listing all of the generational curses that mankind faces. Here's a couple. Hereditary disease, divorce, child abuse, sexual abuse, domestic violence, alcoholism, drugs addiction, drug addiction, immorality, adultery, perversion, depression, confusion, fear, indecision. Pause for a second. Indecision is a generational curse? Absolutely. My God is a God of order. He's a God of clarity and purpose. And I am his child. Indecision does not belong in the kingdom of God. Not knowing what to do does not belong in the kingdom of God. Brother Jace preached that this morning when he said he went to God and the ropes got cut. If you don't know what to do, go to God and let him explain it to you. Just as a child, just like a little Obi or little Hadassah comes to me not understanding how to work something, it's my job to explain it. You don't think God, the God that created the universe didn't set that up as a natural law and order based on his relationship with us? Indecision is a curse. Panic attacks, mental illness, suicide, Destructive attitudes and behaviors. Church, you want to see something terrifying? Young people, be honest with me for a second. Stand up if you struggle with any of those curses. Stay standing if you were raised in a Christian home. We were just found guilty, church. Have a seat, guys. They didn't know I was going to do that, by the way. How uncomfortable was that, church? Y'all want to go one better? 
stand back up if you were raised in this church. Have a seat. We have been weighed, we have been measured, and we have been found wanting. But there is a solution to generational curses. Because you see, curses follow bloodlines. And we talked, we, we started, we started out, I, I feel like eons ago, when we started this service out, we talked about a color, that crimson color, that blood of Jesus that brings all people back to God and covers a multitude of sin. Thank God. Thank God. Hebrews 9, 22. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Hebrews 9, 28, out of the Passion Translation. But when we die, we will, face, we will be face to face with Christ, the one who experienced death once for all to be, for all. He, he experienced death for all. To bear the sins of many. He did it. He did it, y'all. And now, to those who eagerly await him, he will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to bring us the fullness of salvation. Jesus doesn't deal in sin, he deals in fullness, in completion, in wholeness, in salvation, in truth, in reality, in victory, in love. That's the thing. So y'all want to break generational cur curses? I have a firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. If you're unwilling to present your children with the word of God or too lazy, I don't know which it is, but it's got to be one of them, just speak the name of Jesus in your household. There is no other, no other name under heaven by which man can be saved. So speak Jesus, if nothing else. Have the courage to speak Jesus over your children every single day of their life. Have the courage to speak Jesus when you face anything. And I mean anything. Even if it's just... Oh, good morning. Oh, Jesus. It's time to stand up on Monday morning and say, Jesus. It's time to lay down on Tuesday night and say, Jesus. It's time to go to lunch on Wednesday and say, Jesus. It's time to have dinner on Thursday night with the in-laws and say, Jesus provided this. Jesus blessed my family. In the, I tell you what, if you can get in a habit where every time somebody in your family gets Hurt, you say Jesus has you. Past tense. Because it was completed back there. It's not coming. It's done. We don't stand with Jesus because of what he's going to do. We stand with Jesus because of what he has done. By his stripes, we were healed. You either believe the word of God or you don't. He says, speak to the mountain and move it with great faith. Don't doubt it for a second. Don't doubt that it is done. 
not seen. So why are you looking for it? So the first thing we have to do if we want to break generational curses in our family, we have to submit it all. I said submit it all. You know what? When you, when you have an iPhone or a, a smartphone, I want you to Google a definition for the word submission. And normally in the youth class, and I told them I might give them an opportunity today. Normally one of the things I like to do every few minutes just to make sure everybody's with me is I'll say questions, comments, or snide remarks. It's a group of teenagers. I get snide remarks. What's that definition? Define the word submission. Submission is defined as the action or fact of accepting or yielding to a superior force or to the will of authority of another person. Is that for a second? The action or fact of accepting and yielding to a superior force or authority. The second definition is the action of presenting proposals, application, or other documentation for consideration or judgment. But I want to focus in on this first part of this definition here. Accepting or yielding to fact. The fact of a superior authority. I don't know why I'm using two microphones. Maybe so everybody can hear me. Because I know I'm quiet and reserved. But that's what a dictionary says. What's the purpose of submission according to this book? Well, James 4 and 7, guys. We're going to go to James 4 and 7 to find out. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Oh, wait, you mean if I submit to authority, the authority will protect me? Hold up, that's a foreign concept, isn't it? Remember, I started off the sermon by saying I'm a patriot of the kingdom of God. Because I know the authority will protect me. He will safeguard me. He won't leave me a child of abuse. He won't leave me a child of divorce. He won't leave me in domestic violence. He won't leave me in alcoholism. He won't leave me in drug addiction. He won't leave me in perversion. He won't leave me in depression. He won't leave me in confusion. He won't leave me in fear, but he will protect me from all of these things if I'll just submit. You gotta submit. Jace, you couldn't cut the ropes on your own, could you? Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Who was James talking to? <laughs> Say that one more time, sister. The church, you're right, he was talking to the church. He's like, submit to God and wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded people. I got a brother with a testimony. Oh, Luke. Bring it, brother. Morning. 
Love it. All right, so when I went to forward, one of the main things that stood out to me was also part of Jensen Franklin's message, and that was getting rid of plan B. You know, it's something that I realized that I always do, set up another plan. Plan A doesn't work out, I can always do this. If I can't fix this situation, I can get out of it. You know, the ship is sinking, but I have my lifeboat ready. But the problem with that is, the second you make a plan B, plan A gets weaker. Because you already have a way out. You've, you've made your back door, so if things don't work out, you can just get out of it. The thing is, when plan A is God's plan, why would you not have so much faith in that plan that you don't even need a plan B? That's all I got. Ask that question one more time. It don't matter if it's the exact words. Ask it one more time. If plan A is God's plan, why don't you have enough faith to not even make a plan B? Well, church, can we answer? The next thing we gotta do is confess it all. Leviticus, that's right, I'm going old school. Leviticus 26.40. But if they confess their own and their father's iniquity. Everybody remembers what iniquity is, right? Alright. In their treachery. Ooh. He took it a step further. Which they committed against me. Because they also walked contrary to me. Then in verse 42 then I will earnestly remember my covenant with Jacob, my covenant with Isaac, my covenant with Abraham, and earnestly remember their land, or the land. Guys, we, we, we gotta start confessing our guilt. The church has to start admitting, my bad, Mea culpa, mea culpa. Me, I'm semi-culpa. I'm guilty. I fall. I'm bad. If the church can't admit its flaws, how does it expect to heal? How does it expect to break curses? If we can't admit, y'all know say, I don't know. If we can't come and say, you know what, that's a great question, Matthew. I don't have an answer, but let's find one together. Or even the church to say, you were right, Kenzie, I'm sorry. I got that wrong. Thanks for teaching me something. Love you for it. Love each of you for it. I tell these youth all the time, Call me out if I'm wrong. But you better do it with the Bible in your hand. Because if you're coming to me telling me I'm wrong, you better be ready to teach me something right, or we'll go find somebody that can teach us both something right. I am not infallible because I am a man. This is. This truth is infallible. The God that wrote it is infallible. He's consistent, 
We know his character. How do we know his character? By the testimony of the saints and the word of our testimony. If you haven't heard this, heard it this morning, you're not listening. This next step to breaking generational curses, we've, we've touched on it briefly, but it's the hard one. Forgive it all. Forgive the people that have messed up. Pastor Bill preached on mercy last week. Did a, did a good job. I listened, I listened back to it because obviously we were driving back for four. We got to forgive people. Show them grace. The revelation of grace according to God. We have to forgive people. We have to forgive people. Because Mark 11, 25 and 26 of the, the Passion Translation says, whenever you stand praying, pause. Wait a minute. It didn't say kneeling. It didn't say lying prostrate. It said when you stand praying, which means you're standing. What is standing a symbol of here, y'all? It's a symbol of standing in authority. But what it's saying is you're standing. That means you're coming to me you're coming to me as, a, as one of my children. You're not kneeling as a servant or as a, a bond slave to me, but you're coming to me as one of my kids. If you're gonna come to me as one of my kids, you better do so this way. It says, if you find that you carry something in your heart against another person, release him and forgive him. Release her and forgive her. Release them and forgive them. Release they and for, forgive they. Release Zer and forgive Zer. I don't care what the pronoun is. Neither does God, by the way. He died for all mankind. Yeah, they need to get some stuff straightened out, but he still loves them. And they're all welcome here. Because this isn't our house. This is God's house. If you find that you carry something in your heart against another person, release him, her, them, whatever, and forgive them so that your Father in heaven will also release you and forgive you your faults. Do we understand enough about God's character to understand that if this is the rule he has set, the converse is true. If we won't forgive and let it go, what legal defense does our Savior have to stand before the Father and plead our case? Because what is loosed in earth will be loosed in heaven by faith, right? So if we won't release and forgive, ouch, ouch. It's because the verse continues on. But if you will not release forgiveness, don't expect your Father in heaven to release you from your misdeeds. For there is a point at a time when all men will stand before the judgment seat. Let it go. Church, let it go. People, let it go. Brother, sister, let it go. Mother, father, let it go. 
Son, daughter, let it go. Niece, nephew, let it go. Friend, let it go. Acquaintance, let it go. Troll farm, let it go. I don't care who it is, let it go. Let it go. Because you know what we're pursuing? The last step of breaking generational curses? We must choose a life of blessing. Do you realize you can not choose a life of blessing? You can. You can, you can choose not to receive the blessings God's, God has for you. But you know what? You know what? We're going to speak that blessing. I'm going to speak that blessing over you. The Lord bless you and watch and guard and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and enlighten you and be gracious and kind, merciful and giving favor to you. The Lord lift up his approving countenance upon you and give you peace and tranquility of heart and life. The Lord bless you and watch you, guard you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and enlighten you and be gracious and kind, merciful and giving you favor. The Lord lift up his approving countenance upon you and give you peace, a tranquility of heart and life. Deuteronomy 30, 15, and I'll proceed to 19 and 20 as well. See that I have set before you this day life and good and death and evil. I call heaven and earth to witness this day against you that I have set before you life and death. The blessings and the curses. Therefore, choose life that you and your descendants may live and may the love of your Lord, your God, obey his voice and cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Psalms 37, 18, and 19, the Lord knows the days of people of integrity and their inheritance will be forever. They will not be ashamed in the evil time and in the days of famine they will be satisfied. I said they will be satisfied, church. Can you come up here and sing firm foundation for us? There again, this was not planned. Um, church, it's time for us to receive the blessing, all of it, that his face should shine upon us and give us strength and tranquility and, and presence of mind to love 
so that we can receive our inheritance. Why are we so afraid of our inheritance? It's because we believe the lies. Because some of us, and I mean us, me, me especially, us, have had past tense Sunday and Wednesday only. I am making a declaration that me and my family are stepping into the blessing of the Lord this day. Doesn't matter what yesterday, but this day, me and my family are going to serve the Lord. And we're stepping into the generational blessings that call upon the thousand generations of loving kindness of the Lord. Church, it's time to step into the blessings of the Lord. It's time to stop living in fear and start living in the blessings of the Lord. All right, y'all ready? We're going to declare this out together.
it's time to stand in silence. It's time to stop and, and come into the presence of the Father and just listen. Don't go silent and pray to yourself. No, 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 no. Go silent and just listen to the utterance of God. Listen to His Spirit flowing in this room right now. And do so knowing that He will not, not show up. He will always show up. So for a minute, we're just going to fall silent. And I'm going to ask Caleb just to fall silent. We're going to fall silent and just exist. Because if we can be still, God can move.
that they couldn't be with us today, expressing love. and start over.